Welcome, welcome. We're back for another episode of The Lock. And this week, Dara and I come to you from sunny North Cyprus, where it has been a change of pace. Dara and I have been playing... Ah, fuck this. <laughs> I usually run through them. That's the one thing Ali has. Ali has. He never flubs a line. No flubs. Welcome, welcome, guys. We are back for another episode of The Lock. And this time, Darren and I come to you from sunny North Cyprus, where it has been a bit of a change of pace. Darren and I not been playing, but rather we've been commentating on the Merit Poker Western Series. It's been a very fun 10 days in what can only be described as the lack of luxury here in Carinia. On our downtime, we've availed of some of the facilities here in the all-inclusive resort. I've probably availed of... One area a bit too much, and that's the dessert counter of the various buffets. Dar, it's a little bit dangerous. Uh, temptation everywhere. Yeah, it's extremely dangerous. I mean, I think I might... I'm feeling very pre-diabetic at the moment, I have to say. <laughs> um, I was doing a, a FaceTime with my wife just before, and she caught sight of me in the mirror, and she was rather horrified. She reckons I've, I've gained a pile of weight. I reckon it's mostly desserts. Yeah, it does feel like the dessert cart is the danger, for sure. Well... Lots of events that we have covered here. The first one was the warm-up $2,200 event, uh, which was won by a mystery man uh, by the, well, it's not his name, but he was dubbed John Doe on a final table. That did include a familiar face, Irish Open champion Ryan Mandara. That tournament had a 500k guarantee, but ultimately generated a prize pool of well over a million. That was a trend here. Pretty much all the guarantees got smashed. Dara, it's noteworthy that the number of players travelling from all over uh, actually availing of Merit's special package. Uh, essentially, if you agree to pay up front 11 or 12k worth of buy-ins, which you then have to do. And that does mean if you bust something, you have to jump straight into something else, even if you're feeling like you'd like to maybe uh, dust yourself off for a moment. Um, what do you think of a deal like that? By doing so, they get their hotel five-star all-inclusive sort of experience thrown in yeah it's pretty good a good good idea i think uh it, it works kind of both ways the players you know if they are willing to commit to playing that much essentially get the free hotel um and you know this isn't just any free hotel this is an all-inclusive luxury hotel um but i think from the organizer's point of view too it's a great way of ensuring that certain tournaments on the schedule which might struggle um, don't struggle, it gets a certain number into the main event too. But I think it really benefits the side events and it also makes sure that they start on time because they do uh, insist if you buy the package that you come in from the start rather than late reg. Well, I mentioned there that we did a little bit of commentating. There were some really interesting hands. So without further ado, let's cut to a few of the more interesting and fun hands from that warm-up event. This footage, I would say, I would like to say, comes courtesy of the people at Merit Poker. Back to a raising strategy. And Laika with the ace queen right behind, probably coming over the top here to 30k. No, he's going to flat this one. That will probably bring in a few more callers. Indeed, it does. Sabre on the button decides Jack 10 is good enough. Mereb's out, but Soy. You don't love a weak ace, but. You may feel compelled for six more here. A little bit for everyone. Sengfet with the back doors. Everyone else has a pair. Like unlikely to let this one check through. Gonna charge some weaker aces and some maybe King Jack type hands. 
compelling as it is to call with second pair, this is four ways and you don't have a great kicker with your jack. I'm not sure how easy it's going to be. I guess he does have the dealer button. Is she plotting larceny? She is, you know. Wow. She comes with a call, but given... how little of this she really has. I expected it to be a raise or a fold. I mostly expected it to be a fold, to be honest. But just the very action of her calling there does indicate or imply to me at the very least that she has intentions. And with will and intention can be very interesting when nobody has more than one pair. Like a, in a kind of a <coughs> tricky enough spot here. Just gonna try and extract some more value maybe from the ace-10, ace-9s, king-jacks, and as we see, jack-10s and queen-8s of the world. He's gone 36, so downsizing from his flop bet in relative terms. Seng-Fet has not released, but she... Oh my goodness, what are we watching here? Guys, this is, uh, this is, this is different gravy. Sengfed has made it 101k clean. Now I did say a moment ago, her decision to call flop was an indication of intent. Well, intent no longer. She has put her money where her mouth is and put Leica in a very difficult spot. He makes the call for 65k more and this lady doesn't give up. So is she gonna put him in for 165 into a pot of 311? Or is she gonna feel like that is way, way too dangerous? Oh my goodness me. It's hard to imagine she has a two. So you're probably discounting that, but she has played it like she has a set of jacks. She has played it like she has ace five. You are literally beating a bluff and it is very hard to now figure out what bluffs she can have. Let's try and piece that together. Queen 10 of spades, that's probably our best bluffy candidate. If we're gonna start putting her on bluffs, king queen of spades, queen 10 of spades, she's chosen a very non-standard holding to go for this line. Wow! Oh my goodness. It is Sengfet's world. The rest of these players are just living in it right now. Someone set off the alarm. We have just watched somebody commit daylight robbery. Oh, nice to get a, uh, a close-up there of the handsome Jamie Nixon. I know Jamie, Jamie Nixon, yeah. Um, he's a very good-looking boy. He, I mean, he looks like he could be in a boy band. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, he, he wouldn't be the edgy one. He'd be the quiet, dependable one who gets about 5% of the fan mail. <laughs> but he still could... He absolutely could be in a boy band. Uh, I mentioned that um, 
he used to travel with me quite a lot to tournaments and actually Mrs. Doka accompanied me on a few of those trips and she was really impressed by him because as well as being a handsome boy he's actually a very uh, nice respectable boy as well he's a lovely Respe lad respectful and uh, yeah she, she was very impressed by him well interesting my missus is very fond of Jamie as well yeah no so he's definitely got the maybe uh, we should stop saying how nice he is I'd be a bit worried yeah. there about our two missuses maybe yeah. deciding that uh, they could do a bit better well here we see Brown straight into the saddle, 17 big blinds. He's opened up the Jack 10 offsuit from the hijack. An optimistic open, it must be said. Not necessarily one that would be uh, solver approved in this situation with all the IC map boots. But he does open it and he does flop best on the King Queen 10. All spades. Yeah, there's, there's nothing for Fung here, even though Fung is the chip leader. I think. Wow, look what's happening here. Looks like we're having a dunk lead. This is incredible. Fung this, this deciding to lean into these guys. This is, this, this is Fung. This is a completely new gear from Fung now. He's basically recognizing he's the chip leader and he gets to put pressure. Normally, this isn't the kind of board you would do this on. You know, if the board came like, well, he got six four, so I need 10, to be eight, careful. Ten eight seven of spades, maybe. Yeah, or like eight five deuce. Then yeah, you'd see lots of leading. But uh, this is this is interesting to say the least. Well, Brown does get sticky with his bottom pair open ender here. He doesn't have a spade in his hand, and he will be happy to see a two of clubs come off here on the Fung turn, a relative brick. Fung is eyeing up the stack here. He's not eyeing up Brown. So he's basically trying to decide what size of bet will really put him in the in the mincer here, uh, put pressure on huge part of his range. And whatever bet that is, and it looks like it's something in the region of 35%, it is going to put pressure on. It is, yeah. Because this is really horrible now. You're treading the stack now. Um, if he calls here, the pot's going to be 2.2 million, and he's going to have less than that behind. So Fong is threatening to shove the river here for less than pot. Does Brown have a call, turn, fold river type of hand? It feel, That's what it feels like, yeah. Yeah, unless he uh, hits it straight on the river. Well, will Fung be able to deliver that third barrel? We feel like it's the one that might get the job done here in the booth. And yeah, the seven doesn't improve. If Fung sticks it in now, Brown's gonna almost certainly have to fold. Yeah, 85% of pot is left here. Brown probably not fancying calling any bet. And he does go all in, Dara. Yeah, Dara. he does go all in, yeah. yeah. This Six, is, four off, this wow. Is, this is a real change of gear from Fung. He hasn't been doing this earlier, but he does have the stack now. It's the final table bubble. ICM pressures at his most extreme. And he's just, yeah, he's just gone in your eye. He's played it like a small flush all the way, hasn't he? Yeah. Played it like he had the, I don't know. Six, four of spades. Eight, nine of spades, yeah, exactly. And he just did all his own betting. Three shells out of position. Brown is Brown is the, the one guy at this table though who might be capable of the of the hero call here. He hasn't released immediately and he's using one of his two remaining time banks. Fung's line very polarized here to flushes. Obviously doesn't have kings, queens, tens in his range. Jack nine, maybe, just maybe could be in there. This is a huge decision now for Brown. If he folds here, he leaves himself with 1.8 million, which is only 11 big blinds. And there goes the last time bank, Dara. Yeah. 30 seconds left, and he will have no more decision time. Yeah. And he, he also ha now doesn't have any time cards for any future hands as well. What an amazing... I think he's folded. ...and unlikely call this would be. But I wouldn't completely rule out the call here. He's the one player who might make this call. 
I think every other player at this table has folded by now for sure, but Brown still might make the call. Three, two, one. His hand is dead, guys. His hand it's is funny. dead. He's mocked, he's mocked the card. It's funny, your hand, that's because your hand is dead, sir. Now, I think they've given the pot to Brown. Did he make a call? He did make the call. He made the call, yeah. He made we, the call. What we, a call that is. Wow. So, so I'm so sorry, guys. Our camera switched to the 3 2 1 countdown of the box telling us in those 3 2 1 seconds, incredible. he clearly flicked in a chip. What, what a call. What an incredible call. Oh, my goodness me. And that means what heroics. It means we have a new chip leader on the table. The man who started the day with epic blinds is now the chip leader. Wearing his underpants on the outside right there, Mr. Brown. Well, some very cool hands there, no doubt. Well, the big one, however, you know, 2,200 for a warm-up. It's almost like a main event, but the big one was the 3,300 main event, which attracted 750-plus players, smashing its guarantee of 1.5 million, uh, over 2 million in the end, and giving away, ultimately, a first prize of 370k. We commentated uh, the warm-up together as a pair, but we were joined by uh, veteran commentator Ali Najad for the main event, uh, which allowed us to rotate in pairs. How did you enjoy working with Ali Dara? And did it feel like we were cheating on one another for those two-hour blocks? I must admit, I felt a little bit guilty. Um, it definitely felt different. Um, but Ali is incredibly polished. Uh, it, 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 it is always interesting when you see somebody who is a consummate professional. Like, literally never... Whoa, 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 whoa. What never, are you lying here? Never, never flubs his words. <laughs> the flow is absolutely perfect. and It doesn't miss a beat. That's a specific skill, you know, it's a skill which we don't have. We might be good commentators in other ways. Uh, we might have a good understanding of the game. Uh, we might be able to engage well with the audience or whatever. Um, but somebody like Ali is definitely a lot smoother and more professional um, on that front than we, than we will ever be, I would imagine. Yeah, certainly a, a huge amount of polish there, it must be said. I, I was impressed by that similarly, um, but, uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I miss it. I miss you when you're not there. I'm just saying. I, oh, I miss you too, for sure. It, it's more difficult because, you know, we have we kind of understand when one person stopped talking and then the next one can start. But Ali has this sort of like stop-start approach. So you sometimes you're not sure whether it's a stop-start or it's a stop-stop. Yeah, and, I trod on him a couple of times. Yeah. Same. <laughs> well, look, it was great fun, obviously, to, to mix things up. And, and Ali made the long journey from uh, Nevada for this one. So, uh, you know, huge appreciation for him. Hopefully, this is the point in the interview or in the episode where we can lodge an interview with him in here. Uh, this will be a bit of a weird bit if I fail to get him to do that. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> will be. I'm not pretending to be Ali. <laughs> Well, luckily, we did get a uh, snippet there of Ali, so that part didn't end up on the cutting room floor. Anyway, uh, the main event in the end was won by Orthodox's Orthodoxu, Cypriot Bear, as he dubbed himself, obviously. Cy Cypress Bear, I think. Cypress Bear, sorry, Cypress Bear, uh, as he dubbed himself uh, in the home stretch. He was obviously up against Russian Bear, um, Chernikov, during that final table. It was a very high standard final table, it must be said, but we were probably deprived of a really high standard, very sort of short-handed game because of Helt and Panka, maybe the two stars of that final table, busting in, I want to say, eighth and sixth, something like that. 
yeah, I think it was eighth and sixth or maybe eighth and fifth. Um, yeah, health was the one that I was most interested in seeing because I was aware of him online. Justice um, Health. Not that's an amazing name. What yeah, a name. Justice Health. <laughs> and uh, yeah, lovely guy. I was talking to him a bit afterwards as well. He was very complimentary about our commentary and. Uh, He's just one of these guys who flies under the radar, but he's an absolute crusher. So it was a rare opportunity to see somebody like that operate live and super impressive. He was so composed. He was taking everything in. Um, he wasn't one of these online guys who sort of was in his own bubble and wasn't taking the additional information into account. He Clearly, he was taking everything into account. Just wasn't his day. Same for Panka. Panka, obviously a long-term beast, uh, both online and, and live. Um, and really, his tournament sort of swung on the very first uh, pot that he chose to enter and you know he did nothing wrong it just didn't work out and that left him short and he never really got the cards to recover from that yeah you you mentioned that pot there uh, it was a squeeze with ace queen actually cut to the vt let's have a watch of that hand as we see an interesting pot brewing here chernikov has opened from under the gun here with the jack 10 suited a hand we like to see open up here particularly when you are one of the bigger stacks orthodox who flats um, the queen jack suited which is a little tight ropish from yeah. plus one panka pouncing on what he perceives to be a wide opening range and maybe some dead ish money from the flat and i think this will get the job done dara yeah chernikov has been very wide from every position so he's likely to be worried the fact that orthodoxy just flatters also means he genuinely he generally has this kind of hand so this is a great spot for panka um to potentially pick up a lot of money Oh wow, wow. Chernikov is going to gamble. Yeah, yeah he does. Um, this is Ch this is the way Chernikov plays. As I said uh, before the final table of forms, he's not particularly aggressive. He's just very, very loose. Well, he does a lot of calling. Um, well, five point four in the mill in the middle. Six point two million is the effective stack. And uh, wow, we've got an interesting board, Dara. That, that is an interesting board. Yeah. Panka, gut shot, backdoor flush draw. Very likely to bet something in the 1 million down bet area here. Yeah, in a 3 bet pot, you generally use smaller sizings, so um, the ranges are more defined. Although against Chernikov, that's not necessarily the case. Jack 10 <laughs> suited shouldn't be in there uh, in most ranges. 1.3. Yeah, that's quite big by the standards. Oh, wow. Jernikov's just gone for it, Dara. That's incredible. He's just saying, I don't think you have the king. <laughs> that's very dark tunnely, I must say. Yeah, that's shoving hope, I think, that play is called. <laughs> big smile there from Wow, if he got called there, he was, he was in bad shape. I mean, he had back doors, but yeah, that was uh, straight out of the gate. We have a huge move, statement of intent from Chernikov. We talk about ICM catastrophes. Yeah. That hand will fade into the... will fade away from the memory as time goes on, and nobody will really consider it hugely significant, but that was actually a pretty wild moment. There we have it. Well, yeah, it was a bit of a, a weird spot. Panka obviously couldn't continue in the hand. Just sort of playing a guessing game, though, it's fair to say, Chernikov. But he was that kind of player. He, he liked to speculate pre-flop and then go very aggressive with some amount of equity post-flop. He lost, ultimately, heads up. Um, but, you know, he impressed in a sort of a way. Yeah, for sure. Willing to put all his chips in the middle and maximise his fold equity in, in, in certain spots. You know, had he played that hand more 
unorthodoxly, let's say, he... Um, he could have got a nicked off him on he, a turn. Yeah, well, he probably check calls the flop and then there's a lot of turns where he's in a difficult spot. He decided just, you know, um, I don't think my opponent has the king um, and I'm going to go for it. And even if he does have the king, I'm going to have some possibilities with the jack and the ten. So, yeah, it was it was big pot poker. Hmm. Well, when it got down to the nitty gritty, it must be said, uh, we were suspicious of some deal making having taken place just because of the sheer pace of play of the heads up. I have a little bit of footage of this. I'm going to play, I think, probably about seven hands in the time you would expect one hand to be played. Uh, I think this will give a little taste of, of how it went down at the end. And maybe just maybe they weren't playing for 100 grand after all. Yeah, it was certainly the fastest heads up I've ever seen. But uh, that's still... I mean, that's just the way those those guys kind of played. They weren't particularly deliberate players. Um, they just kind of made their decisions and went. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows indeed. Well, as well as doing some commentary, I was roped in to some comparing duty. I announced the players uh, arriving to the table in the warm-up. And then I also was the sort of bingo caller guy uh, for the mystery bounties. It was a 1K mystery bounty, a 2K mystery bounty. Dara, I believe you surreptitiously... Um, stalked my uh, efforts in that and, and, and picked up a little bit of footage of uh, me um, probably butchering it, let's be honest. There was nothing sort of surreptitious about it. I, I, I went into the poker room just to have a look around and you shouted, come over here and film me. So. Yeah, I, I, I lies. <laughs> Absolutely. Anybody who knows me out there will know that that must be a lie. There's no way that could possibly be true. Um, well, look, I, well, look let's, let's, let's watch that. You can be the judge if I know there's a camera on me. Get us in. Hey, what's that spell? La, two times. La, la. Please don't break the top of the ladder. Five thousand for that. There you see, obviously, a uh, consummate professional. It's like I was born with the microphone in my hand uh, and, and destined to always uh, spin tombolas and read out uh, four and sometimes five digit numbers. Right, yeah. That's your <laughs> self-assessment. I won't argue with it. I don't know. I, I, it's the first time I saw myself do it. I was, I always and you, watched, it you watched quite a bit of the footage as well, over <laughs> and over and over. I, so. Lies, lies. Um, anyway... There are quite a few English people. I mentioned Ryan Mandara at the top, but Jamie Nixon has made the trip. I know he availed of that package. Um, and yeah, quite a few other people out here from different countries as well, availing of it. One Englishman who's made the trip, although he's not really English-based these days, is our great friend and often contributor here on the show, whether it be uh, interviews or lock-in appearances or various different things, strategy segments. There was, there was one season of the Chippers where I think he was always the strategy guest, Jack Sinclair. Not had um, a particularly fun trip, uh, our Jack. No, Jack uh, fired quite a lot of bullets uh, at everything, including the main event, um, and was quite tilted by the fact that he felt the standard was notably lower than the tournaments he normally plays, <laughs> and yet he still had to fire bullet after bullet after bullet. Um, he fired, eight, eight in the main. He fired eight in the main. 25k he turned it into. he turned it into a 25k. <laughs> And then he, yeah, he fired multiple bullets in in other ones too. He was very relieved last night uh, in the high roller to get to the end of Max Leatherhead and only have used three bullets. <laughs> um, and then I was watching his Instagram story and he was rocking the tiny stack uh, 
coming up to the bubble. I actually had the feeling I was watching my own um, feed, but it was actually his. <laughs> and he scraped through the bubble with three and a half big blinds, which is a very un-Jack Sinclair-like thing. But he it did, really it, did at least finally secure a Cypriot flag. Congratulations to Jack on that. Uh, I, you know, sorry, just in case anyone's wondering, I would never laugh at someone firing eight bullets and doing 25k and a 3k, except for the fact that Jack has run so pure and won all the money for basically the last year, and then basically the last five years as well. So, you know, sometimes I think, you know, maybe I can laugh at people's misfortune when they give back a fraction of a percent of all the money they've taken out of the poker community. Yeah, I did. I was speaking to Jack a good bit yesterday too, and I told him I was very disappointed he didn't uh, commit to the whole Western team. I could just have imagined. Oh, I could imagine Jack wandering around as a sort of a dan dandy Englishman, you know, nicknamed Tenderfoot. <laughs> you expect him to be terrible, but actually, he's very quick on the draw. Nice, nice. Yeah, there was a Western team here, it must be said. Uh, they made me put a uh, sheriff's hat on for one of those mystery bounty draws. Um, no, they actually said cowboy hat, and I said, I'm only doing it if they give me the sheriff's hat. That was stipulation. Made, made that very clear. Very lapping. <laughs> well, look, before we go, guys, there is some stuff to talk about going on in the poker world as well. Let's talk about it. Okay, so in news of the day, I guess you can call us. Uh, people will have perhaps seen some tweets out there. And uh, yeah, happy for you to check our Twitter and, and read up on this one uh, if you like. Basically, poker news uh, sort of leapt upon a, a moment of indiscretion by uh, poker bunny Paulina Lulliger, um, where she sort of petulantly uh, tried to get her cards into the muck. I, I think she's done this a couple of times in the past before. Obviously, that moment where you uh, maybe uh, call down too light or something goes wrong and you don't want to reveal the strength of your hand or whatever it is, or it's just a kind of a defeated moment. That, you know, people aren't often at their best in a moment of just having bust out. Uh, she tried to get those cards right into the muck. She made quite the effort at it. Um, and then obviously it was picked up by Poker News as a, almost a leaping off point for a story to bring up other stuff about her, but also just like things people have said, a lot of like just kind of made up uh, accusations uh, and whatnot. Uh, and, and yeah, I just thought we would maybe discuss that in the broader context of poker journalism and. Uh, sort of a disappointing trend i've noticed dara and i have talked about this many times on the show about how it does seem to be going the way of standard journalism too very tabloidish very clickbaity and not really taking into consideration the individuals involved and maybe the stuff they're going through in their lives and you know how important it is to you know maybe be fair to people i don't think there's any consideration for that and dara i thought maybe you could take it up from there yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, let's say that with absolutely no problem with the incident being covered. It was in the public domain. It was uh, recorded by Poker, um, poker Stars. It was a Poker Stars event, so everybody signs a waiver saying that they can be recorded. I mean, that said, it is a little bit cruel maybe to be uh, recording people as they're busting, but, you know, that's part of the game on, uh, as it is. So absolutely no problem. And, and actually in the clip, which was voiced by James Hartigan, uh, always consummate professional, it was actually very fair and it was just described what was happening. The weird thing for me was that in the uh, in the John Sofen piece on Poker News, um, that was used as a leaping off point to a section that he referred to as a controversial player, where he literally dredged up almost everything that uh, YouTube trolls have said about Paulina in the past and sort of treated it as newsworthy, worthy of, of being included in the piece, um, speculation about 
uh, where her backers come from, why they might be backing her, her profitability, etc., etc. It was just, it just seemed completely unnecessary. It was difficult to imagine that any uh, male player would be subjected to the same scrutiny, or any established player would be um, subjected to the same scrutiny. It would be like if every time they covered a, a Daniel Negreanu hand or a Daniel Negreanu bust out, they brought up, you know, blackface, uh, talking about buying kids on 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 Twitter. Uh, all the other stuff that putting things in your ass. Yeah, all the other, uh, all, all his previous uh, blowups, etc., etc. Like even we, who are the biggest Daniel uh, critics in the world, we don't bring that up every time we talk about Daniel, unless it's relevant to the story. And just a pile of stuff that was completely irrelevant to the story was thrown in there um, as almost a, a, as a Trump. You know, people are saying. Uh, moment and yeah well let, let me jump in there so the piece was written by John Sofen who I know has denied in the past maybe being a sexual predator or uh, you know having uh, some sort of sexual deviancy behind it now he, he's denied that obviously he's strongly denied I think he very categorically strongly denies any suggestions that he might be a child molester or any of these because you see what I'm doing there yeah I'm, I'm using the standards of John Sofen and his writing yeah to lampoon John Sofen is writing. Of course, none of those things are true, but like none of those things are true about Paulina either. The implications about his, her backers, well, let's sort of like maybe have a quick look at that record there. Dara, you are intimately aware of who her backers have been, and maybe this is a very good time to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the, the, the weird thing for me was he referenced the Nick Fortucci show as if she was somehow trying to hide the fact that she had backers or, 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 or what the reason for that might be, whereas she was actually very open about it. Um, and she said that she was originally backed by a gentleman who died, who, of course, was our good friend, Jan Sukarnik. Um, I was a I was a minority partner in, the, in that backing relationship. And then she talked about her current backer, who is uh, a literally a beast, a beast who, who probably runs the most professional backing yeah. entity the poker world has ever seen yeah. like the most professional you know they, 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 to, to be fair those guys do value their anonymity and privacy and that's absolutely fair but you could not imagine getting in with the group more poker professional yeah and their and their staking deals are always purely based on merit um, they they, they, uh, part of the uh, challenge of being a backer is to try and identify players before they're successful. Um, because generally, when, once players are successful, they don't need backing. And uh, so, most of you are dealing with uh, up and coming hopefuls, and you make the judgment based on how they talk about poker, how they work, how they study, etc. etc. And based on all of those uh, criteria, um, Pauline has been very successful at, at, at attracting backers. So to sort of smear it as, oh, she must be using sexual favours or there must be something else going on. That's just completely out of order. It is completely out of order. There are sort of two things at play here. I suppose one is the knee-jerk reaction we felt to be critical of the specific piece about Paulina. Um, the word insane is used in the headline of that article. Paulina has spoken very openly about her mental health issues uh, over her life over the, the recent past, obviously, you know, has had some sort of wobbles, if you want to call them that, or, or whatever is the best way to describe in, in, in recent years. And to, to therefore use it, a triggering word like that, like, uh, you know, 
insane is a pretty disgusting use of language in that context there yeah it is there's a lot of talk in poker about being sensitive to mental health etc etc so i don't think you get to throw around words like that unless you're a mental health professional um, when, when, when you're dealing with um, a, a, a young player at a vulnerable point in their career. It's worth noting as well that Paulina is five months pregnant at the moment and you know pregnancy brings with it its own issues as well. Um, so yeah, just, just, just jumping from, oh, she tried to mock her cards, so she must be insane, um, and then dredging up every single piece of gossip about her, that's just completely out of order in my opinion. Yeah, the second thing I want to point out is, is just the general slippery slope of poor poker coverage that I've witnessed from poker news. I sort of wanted to keep tight-lipped about this for a long time as I've noticed good people leaving the company. There's still some good people in the company, I, I must point out too. But as I've seen good people leaving the company and, and listened to what they've described as their reasons for going, sort of feeling like it wasn't a great poker news organization anymore, that it was a, a clickbait affiliate link that didn't really value covering things in a, in a fair way or looking into stories, actually just valued its relationships with the big sites who pay their wages, who bought advertising space, who owned them, all of that kind of thing. Um, you know, Darren and I have been very critical of poker media down the years. We're actually uh, about to put out a piece in the main show about poker media as well uh, with Brad Willis. But this is a sort of an ongoing issue and problem we've had. And as I said, never really gone after poker news or never wanted to sort of like um, make it sort of specific to them because I think there's maybe a problem all over uh, in some respect as well. But they are one of the biggest uh, and most guilty uh, institutions, if you like, or corporations um, when it comes to poker and it comes to this kind of journalism. And, and yeah, I suppose I felt I could bite my tongue no longer. I, I do wonder uh, if this will bring trouble upon Dara and I. Obviously, we are ambassadors for Unibet and we care deeply about, um, you know, presenting Unibet in a good way. And obviously, Poker News are responsible for a lot of the coverage. And I can't imagine this is going to make us friends with them in any way, shape or form. Um, and if it makes us their enemies, I guess so be it. But it just felt important to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, look, on that note, uh, I, fe I feel like we've we've talked about it. There, there may be follow-ups. We may be continuing to tweet about it with people. I must say, having a very fair exchange of ideas with some people on Twitter who maybe don't know the full background, which I think is very fair. Uh, also, is just sort of a, a revealing of maybe the wider context of this. Uh, I think that's also very fair. I, I, by the way, I understand if you think what she did was wrong. I think what she did was wrong. But I, I think it was wrong in this context. What she did that was wrong used to not even be a rule in poker. It used to actually not even be wrong to do what she did. So, yes, it is a new rule we've had for quite a few years now, but it's like one of these small things. The, the purpose of not mucking your hand is actually so that it's not dumping chips to another player. It's not to... If we could save the face of the player who just lost all their chips by making a hero call that went wrong, we would actually do that. Actually, it's, we all agree in poker that we don't want to rub salt in the wounds to players. The reason this rule exists is so that people don't dump chips. So, you know be a bit more sympathetic and maybe be a bit more cognizant that this wasn't some sort of wild, crazy, insane moment. This was just a person really tilted that they just bust and just had a little bit of a, a moment of indiscretion and just cover it as that. Or, well, hey, maybe don't cover it. Maybe just ignore it like we do the 50 other times I've seen people muck their cards over the last five or six years, none of which I ever saw make any news, let alone be used as a leaping off point to, to bring up uh, past uh, stories or make making up things that some people have suggested or things that she's denied that they go, oh, well, we asked her this question before and she denied it. And uh, like, like that's kind of implying that it's true by doing that. You do realise that's what you did, John. 
I hope you do now anyway. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, I would say on that rule, like it, it, it is slightly inconsistent that we only insist on this in an all-in situation. The bet she was facing on the river, I believe, was quite small. Um, but you know, you, I, I, in poker, I could bet a hundred thousand, and you could have a hundred and five thousand behind, and you could call, and I could show my cards, and you're allowed to muck because you're not all in. It's there, there's a, there is a weird inconsistency there that you're allowed to hide information, and it has nothing to do with the size of the bet or the significance of the pot. It's just whether you're all in or not. So even the thing that it's designed to do to prevent collusion, it really doesn't do. Good point. Well, look, we, we, we have talked about this one. As I said, we, we'll be happy to follow up with anyone interested to follow up uh, fair-mindedly. Um, and uh, yeah, let's, let, let's, let's go back to um, maybe some more footage or, um, or, or maybe let's just end it there and, and maybe we can find a special guest. How about that, Dara? Sounds good. And Jack's going to go with his hand here. He's under the gun, which incentivizes him to go super wide. Next hand, if he folded his hand, he'd have to post one of his three and a half big lines as an ante. Much better to try and double it up now. How much? And he's run straight into aces. 140, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Not fun. Yeah, I do know this player as well, Mihai Nasty, uh, a regular on the European circuit. And of course, over the top it comes. Not by a lot, of course, but nevertheless, meaningful. And the good news for Nista is. Ademir is unlikely to come along. So even in the event that King-10 gets incredibly lucky and downs these two aces, he will still be alive. $9,200, the on-tap payout. Next pay jump happens at 15 players. As the Union Jack is under threat, Dara. It is indeed, yep. UK versus Romania here. Okay. Ooh. Hang on a second. Ace Jack Seven <laughs> and Sinclair nodding in affirmation here. How'd you feel? <laughs> nervous? You nervous? Yeah, I'm nervous. I think it comes. Four That's outs twice, <laughs> and of course, once the jack happens on the turn, there are no more outs. Ace is full for Nista. I mean, it's better than ten than. Lose. And it was a very short-lived tenure what here nine, uh, the at the feature oh, yeah. table for Jack Sinclair.